was from the eyes up. That was about it. And so, uh, so we, you know, when 2020 came and my wife and I were able to get fully vaccinated, we're like, let's go somewhere. And so Kauai kind of opened up and we were like, we've been there before. Let's go to Kauai. So our whole family went to Kauai this past spring and uh, it was just the most delightful like, it was just what the doctor ordered. And what was so interesting, and the reason why I tell you about it is, we were there for a couple weeks, and whenever we would drive around Kauai, uh, you'd go through residential neighborhoods on your way to get to the beach. And inevitably, in all of these residential neighborhoods, neighbors had built homemade signs that they would put out in front of their street that said these two words, try slow. Try slow. Now here, when you see them, it says, drive slow. But in Kauai, they say, try slow. And we're like, oh, that's interesting. I kind of like that. Try some slow. And I felt like this was like a message from God to the Zulam family. Like, you need to try slow. And I'm telling you, Kauai, if you don't, if you don't cave into trying, trying slow, you'll die. Because like the average driving speed is like 25 miles an hour. And I'm not kidding you. Like chickens rule the island. They are everywhere. No one kills any of them. And they literally cross the road all the time. And you have to slow down for them. And so whenever I'm like, oh, I need coffee, I'm like, try slow. You know, whenever like, we got to get to the beach, let's go, let's wake up. It's like, oh, I was reminded of, the, of those signs. Try slow. So we thought, you know what? We should try slow. Like, that's the whole point of this getaway. We've had a rough year. Let's try some slow. So we actually committed to this. We had a family meeting. We sat down and we go, we're going to try slow. And here's what we're going to do. We're all going to agree to move at the, at the pace of the slowest person in our family on any given day. And what was so interesting is mainly one or two people every time, but it did, it did change. It did change. One day, there was one day I was the slowest moving one because I got vertigo and couldn't move. <laughs> like I sat still for hours and hours until they drove me to the emergency room. So one of the days it was me. The rest of the days it wasn't. Uh, but we agreed we would move at the pace of the slowest person in our family. And you know what we felt? You know what I felt? Tension. Because I wasn't accustomed to moving at that pace. There was something internally in me that just wanted to go, fight it, no, no, chicken, I'm going to just straight run you over, get out of my way. And so, so I begin to have these thoughts like, we're wasting time, let's, mo- let's go, let's go faster. And those thoughts were not helping me at all. It was stressing me out. So as we committed to try slow, as we committed to moving at the pace of the slowest person in our family, as we changed our mind about how we thought about trying slow, guess what we begin to feel? Refreshed. Oh, rejuvenated. Oh, restored after such a long, hard year. And it felt amazing. It was just what the Zulam family needed. And as we were putting together, a group of people came together, put together this this series, we thought to ourselves, you know what, this is what our Crossroads family needs. This isn't just a Kauai somewhere else where you try these things. We all need a little bit more of some try, some slow in our lives. So I want to welcome all of you to our Try Slow series. 
That's what those signs looked like. It was like homemade surfboards and boogie boards like sitting out in the yard. And so over the next few weeks of our Try Slow series, we're going to try really hard to help us all begin to understand this idea. If we want to run our race better, we'll need to let God become our pace setter. That we need to take, start taking our cues from God on how we are to run our race. And we have to fight like heck to not embrace the pace that our culture sets out for us because the current of our culture will always move us in the direction opposite of where we need to end up in almost every conceivable category. So over the next few weeks, you're going to hear us talk about things like silence, solitude, Sabbath, stillness, trying slow. And I'd imagine as we talk about this idea this morning, and as, if you please keep coming, and I, I really hope you do, as you keep coming, you might feel the tension I felt Something in you just kind of going, oh, these ideas, oh, they're not natural. They're very, very uncomfortable. So here's what I've kind of observed in my life and, and, the, and the lives of many people around me, um, that we often live life at the same consistent pace. We just go for it. And uh, here's what I find so interesting, and this is definitely true for me. I don't know of many people who actually know when or why or how they made the decision to go at the pace they're going at. They're just going at it. But if you were to stop me or stop anybody and go, why are you running at this pace? Not many people have slowed down long enough to thoughtfully have an answer to that question. Because I think you're doing what maybe I'm doing, is we're just kind of looking around and seeing at the pace at which everyone seems to be running and we just adopt it. We just grab it. I don't even know that we make a decision to do it. It just kind of happens. We see our neighbors. We see how they're doing their life. And we figure, man, this is maybe how I'm supposed to do my life. And what's so interesting is, like, ironically, this kind of herd mentality is how we came up with this expression, running the rat race. There was just so many people doing it. We're like, ooh, we should call this running the rat race, which is, again, the little rat running and running, but never really going anywhere. It's almost as if by osmosis, our homes have adopted the Home Depot motto of doers get more done. Doers just get more done. Doers get more done. So I added to their motto, the, the bottom part, because that's this second part is not their motto. And, and doers are never done. And doers are never done because there's always something else to do. Do. So if this is kind of what you've kind of adopted, you can see like, wow, there is a lot to do, but there's always still something left to do. So we just keep doing, we just keep going, we just keep running at whatever pace we've kind of adopted without maybe even thinking about it. So the next part of this message really pains me to do and, and share because I'm going to use an auto racing metaphor and I hate auto racing. <laughs> I won't watch any of the Fast and the Furious. I don't want to see it. I don't care about it. But so here's what I know about auto racing. You have like indie racing, which is like the lap track that you probably have seen. And uh, that's awful. Uh, and, uh, and you'll watch it. 
And you'd be like, here they go. They're about to make a left-handed turn. Hey, guys, they're about to do it again. Watch them. Yep, another left-hand turn. Oh, my goodness. Wait, wait, wait. He's pulling over to get his tires rotated. This is unbelievable. This is so exciting. And uh, so, you know, that, that's awesome. And uh, so in Europe, and maybe it's here. I have no idea. They have what's called Formula One racing. It's not an oval track. They'll run through, like, streets. There'll be straightaways that you go super fast, and then there'll be curves and turns that you have to navigate. So you're not just doing this over and over and over and over and over again, almost like we do over and over in our own life, right? So here's a hairpin turn that turns literally up against itself in one of these Formula One races. This is an actual turn that they have to go down. So get this, get this, get this. A car that is designed for breathtaking speed being driven by a driver who wants to come in first intentionally slows down at this point in the race. Think about that. And why? Well, I know it's obvious. The reason why the driver slows down on these turns and doesn't stay at 100 or 200 is because he or she wants to finish the race. (laughs) They don't want to break down. They don't want to spin out. They want to finish the race. They don't want to completely fall apart. And friends, we too are in a race. But the goal is to not finish first. The goal is to finish the race, to keep the faith, to maintain our health. And I know you see around you what I see around me, which is a lot of lives, a lot of relationships, a lot of marriages, a lot of mental health, and a lot of people's walks with God are crashing and burning. They're spinning out. They're being devastated. And I know that Our mental health and our spiritual and emotional health and relational health is very multifaceted. It's not just one thing, but I'm telling you, some of this, much of this is attributed to the fact that we don't slow down for the curves. We don't take time to be still. We don't take time to know what's even going on in our minds or in our hearts because that can be painful. That could be scary. And it is, in the short term, much easier just to fly down the straightaways. But think about if a formula driver said, no matter what, I'm flying down. I'm just going. Bam. We'd all all look at them and be like, you're the worst driver ever, right? We can see it. But it's so hard to see in the mirror, especially when everyone else is running at the same pace. Nobody even knows that maybe we're not running our race very well. So, Throughout this morning's message, I'm not suggesting that there's something you need to stop doing. I'm not suggesting there's something you need to quit doing. That's between you and God. He may reveal something to you. You know what? You need to stop doing this. You need to say no to this. You may need to quit this. But that's ultimately not what I'm saying. I don't, I don't know what that is for you. But I am saying there's something we all need to start doing in the midst of our race. So my question for you is, are you ready to try some slow? So here we go. And I want to look at what it looks like to be still. To be 
still. All right, now I'm going to move. Be still. Being still is a way that we try some slow. And stillness is waiting on the Lord. Stillness is just not using the racing metaphor, hopping in the car, getting it into fifth gear, and just just plowing through your day, plowing through your week, plowing through your year, and just wondering, where did all that go and what happened? (laughs) Do you know why I've said this and maybe why you've said this? How did I end up here? Well, you were there the whole time. I mean, I was there the whole time. I was the one that got from here to there, but you end up somewhere, you're like, how did this relationship end up here? It's just a mess. How did I end up here? It's just a mess. How did, how did anybody end up here and not know how they got there because they just got in the car and just plowed through it? They didn't slow down for the turns. They just went, whew. They didn't stop to think. There was no stillness. There was no like, what is really going on in my heart and in my Mind. See, that's why stillness is a courageous act of surrender. It is a, it, every time you practice stillness, it is a courageous act of surrender. It takes courage to be still. It takes faith to just be still when everything in you wants to just go because doers get more done, and if I don't do it, it won't get done. Being still is an act of cultural disobedience, which makes me want to do it, like the rebel in me. (laughs) Like stillness is an act of cultural disobedience. It's just going, I know no one's doing it. I'm going to do it. No one around me is trying it. I'm going to try it. I'm going to be a rebel. And I'm going to live differently than I think my culture says I should. See, here's here's what I'm learning about stillness, that whenever I'm still, whenever we're still, we're declaring that God is still in control. Whenever I practice being still, it's me confessing that God is still in control. That whenever we're still, we're placing our trust in God that he is still in charge of everything, including those things we haven't gotten to yet. Whenever we're still, we're reminding ourselves that God is not still, that God is always working, that he's always working in us and around us and through us if we'll slow down long enough to let him. I mean, regularly, and I know this from personal experience, regularly injecting acts acts of stillness into our life can be very hard. There's a lot of obstacles in the way. Uh, One, like I've said, very few people are doing it. Um, Our culture doesn't model it or value it. Your employer will not reward you for it. (laughs) Your employer, not all your employers, but... Some of your employers, if, if you burnt out your marriage and burnt out your relationship with your kids for their company, they'd be like, you get a raise. Way to go. Not all employers are like that. I can think of some. No, I'm just kidding. Um, 
But it's just not something that people are going to just clap for you for. Way to be still. Nice job. And you may not even do that for you. You'll be sitting there going, "Mm, nope, I can't even clap for me doing it. I got to go. But here's what we need to know about trying slow. Regular acts of stillness is the way of a follower of Jesus. And it was the way of Jesus. So if you are here and you're a Jesus follower, this is the way we run our race, by injecting regular acts of stillness into our life. So if you're here, maybe you're not a Jesus follower, maybe you don't know a lot about Jesus, I'm going to tell you something about Jesus that you may not know. Um, Jesus was one busy guy. His calendar was full. There was not a ton of margin or downtime for Jesus. He had many places to go and many people to see. He had demanding, immensely demanding responsibilities and roles. Here are just some of the roles that Jesus had, and there's more that I didn't think of. Uh, Teacher, savior, healer, forgiver, communicator, debater, people gatherer, leader, counselor, humanitarian, camper, camped all the time. He was all of those things, all of those things. Camping alone would kill me. Like, I'd be like, I can't do this anymore, Jesus. I'll carry the cross, but let's, let's, let's get a hotel. Like, come on. Um, I would be an awful disciple back then, just really bad. Um, it's like, we're sleeping outside again, and I'm like, I'm out. I'm just out. I can't do this. Uh, So here's the thing. For a man who had no wife and no kids was busier than a husband and wife who had eight kids. I mean, this guy was busy. Um, People people were constantly surrounding him, uh, constantly following and unfollowing him. Uh, Almost everyone around him asked something from him, but almost nobody ever gave anything to him. That was how his life was lived. And conservative estimate is about in Jesus's three-year ministry that he walked over 3,000 miles. So in three years, that's like walking from LA to New York all along the way, feeding people, healing people, and try to avoid all the people that are trying to arrest and murder you, all right? That was Jesus's life. So he had supporters that were constantly messing things up, like his disciples, and then he had opponents who were constantly trying to sabotage everything he was Doing And here's the thing that's so unique about Jesus' job, if you want to call it that, his calling, his ministry. Jesus' calling was people. And I don't know if you know this about me or, or about you, but we're messy. We are so messy. I mean, our lives get so complicated. So Jesus' ministry, because it was people, was never over. <laughs> I mean, those of us that have a job where you clock in and clock out have a huge advantage over Jesus. <laughs> because when your ministry is people, they don't tend to schedule their problems from 9 to 5, Monday through Friday. So that was Jesus's life. That was Jesus's calling. <laughs> and it was messy. So For Jesus to find time to be still, to find time to even be alone was next to impossible. So what I did is I went to BibleGateway.com, which is a great website to just look up Bible verses, and I typed in the word crowds because Jesus was always surrounded by crowds. 
And so in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, I just typed in crowd, and you're going to see a bunch of verses in this video that just show how much Jesus was always inundated by crowds so we can get a better picture of his schedule. So sit back and watch this just thrilling video that I made. Thank you, Dolly. (laughs) So this is the picture. All day, every day, crowds of people constantly around him. But all day, every day, all along the way, Jesus tried some slow. Jesus tried some slow. Jesus tried some stillness. He would pause. See, Jesus moved fast. He's like you. He moved fast. He's like you. He worked long and hard. But Jesus also regularly injected acts of stillness into his walk, into his race. And here's why I share all of that. If I could be so bold to say these next words. You and I are not busier than Jesus. The demands you have upon you are not greater than the demands that were placed upon Jesus. None of us have anyone trying to arrest or murder us. Crowds of people aren't waiting for us when we walk out of the door of our house. We can just get in our car and go. None of these things were true for Jesus. None of us are busier Then Jesus, we may think that we are or feel like we are, but we are not. And if Jesus made the time daily to regularly try slow, who am I? Who are we to keep on making excuses why we can't? And I do. I make excuses. You know what my brain tells me about sitting still? It's going to be a waste of my time. And you know what I've learned about my brain? My brain will keep telling me that me being still will be a waste of my time even as my mental health begins to waste away. My brain will just keep telling me, this is a waste of your time, don't do it, doers get more done, go, 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 do, 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 do. So my thoughts aren't always very helpful for me. Maybe your thoughts aren't helpful, helpful to you. Maybe your thought as you begin to try still or in the past when you've tried to be still was, oh my gosh, the feelings that I'm having right now, insecurity, fear, ah, stop, go, go, get on your phone, go, turn on the TV, go, veg out, numb it, don't deal with it, don't sit still for too long because things will surface and that's real. And your brain and your thoughts won't help you to remain still so you could deal with what you need to deal with, what I need to deal with. Maybe that's a thought that you have. Maybe your thought is, like I said before, that you will be perceived by others as being lazy, or maybe you will perceive yourself as being lazy if you sit still. But I want to share with you a better thought that we can grab hold of. And these, this thought comes from the prophet Isaiah. 
And it's found in Isaiah chapter 40. And he talks about stillness and he talks about waiting. And here's what he says. But they that wait upon the Lord shall, oh, this is so beautiful, renew their strength, which is what we lose when we don't slow down. We lose our strength to keep going. We lose our endurance. They shall get this. This is so, this is so crazy. If you slow down, if I slow down, I will mount up with wings like eagles. Well, that's not intuitive to my brain. I think if I slow down, I'm just going to get lazy and weak. They shall run their race and not be weary. So many of us are running our race weary because we're not trying any slow. And they shall walk and not faint. What a better thought for us to grab hold of. The next time your brain tells you when you are sitting still, don't do this, keep going, get out of here, get on your phone, scroll, text, do something. That we could hold on to a better thought that Isaiah would share with us. See, stillness has to do with waiting, and waiting has to do with trusting. See, stillness doesn't stop you from running. Uh, It helps you run healthier and further. (laughs) Stillness, Stillness strengthens. Stillness helps me soar and helps you soar. In fact, regular acts of stillness fuels endurance. It fuels us to run the race that God has set out for us. Uh, Maybe about five, six years ago, my best friend Phil came out to Utah and we ran the Ogden Marathon. And I'd never done it before. So I had two goals. One, finish the race. Finish it. Just finish the race. Two was do not walk. That was my second goal. Okay. So we start the race for 20 miles. I'm just same pace the whole time. Same pace for 20 miles. And then uh, at 20 miles, so I got 6.2 left. I get so sick that no water or Gatorade could quench my thirst. I would drink something. I'd immediately go cotton mouth no matter what I did. I could not contain anything. So I would get so nauseous that I was like, I'm going to puke in this race. But I didn't want to walk didn't want to walk, but I knew that if I didn't walk and didn't slow down, I wasn't going to accomplish the first goal, which was finish the race. Not walking was the second goal. So I had to scrap the second goal of not walking. And for the last 6.2, I did interval running. I would run until I was going to puke. And then I would walk until I didn't want to puke. And then I would run. And then at one point, there was a family sitting by the side of the road cheering people on. I said, do you have water? This is pre-COVID. And I grabbed this kid's water and just started drinking out of it. (laughs) I was so thirsty. I had to try some slow, but I didn't want to. It was painful. I didn't want to do it. But I remembered what was the goal. Finish the race. If I wouldn't have walked... I would not have finished the race. Here's another helpful thought we can try to hold on to as it relates to stillness. Psalm 37, 7 says this. I love these words. These are so beautiful. Be still. Could you just say that with me, ready? Be still. Be still in the presence of the Lord. See, when you're practicing stillness, you're never alone. You're with the Lord in his presence. And wait patiently for him to act. But no, that's my role is to act. i got to be the one that's acting and doing and moving and going. And he's like, oh, that's what I'm doing. God's like, I got that. Would you just sit still, son? Would you just sit still, daughter? And wait patiently for me to act on your behalf. 
And here's why we don't do it, the next part. Don't worry, <laughs> because we worry so much. So don't worry about evil people who prosper or fret about their wicked schemes. You know what kills our desire to be still? Worry. Worry fuels our hurry. Worry makes us go, I need to feel like I have control over everything happening in my life, and I know my control is artificial and I really don't have it, but if I just keep going and doing, I'll at least feel like I have something. I'll feel like I have some sort of control of what's going on in my life. That's why stillness is such a courageous act of courage and faith, because it's going, I'm going to trust that while I'm still, you're not God, that you're still working. So here's a thought we can hold on to. While we're waiting, he's working. While we're waiting, he's working. While we're being still, he's not. And that will require a ton of faith in me and a ton of faith in you to really believe that. Because we're going to fight. Doers get more done and there's always something more to do. All those things are going to come back. See, whenever we try slow, we renew our strength and faith. You ever have something you know is good for you, you still choose not to do it? I do that all the time. This is one of those areas for me, stillness. I know it's good for me. And whenever I do it, I'm better off for it. But when the next opportunity comes for me to try it, I'm like, nah, I don't want to do it. It's crazy. What is going on? What's wrong with me? What's wrong with you? All right. Uh, no, what's wrong with us? Right. I don't know why I don't want to do the very thing that I know is good for me. Oh, I just get in my own way. <laughs> so one way I'm trying to combat this is, is uh, and I did it this morning, and I was able to do it yesterday as well, and, and then it, it's kind of more sprinkled into my life, and I'm still building up trying to make it more of a discipline in my life, is uh, I figure, you know, 24 hours in a day, hopefully eight of those I'm sleeping, take one out just for fun. That leaves me about 15, like 15 hours in a day. So I was like, I should tithe. I heard this from somebody. I should tithe a minute for those 15 hours. So 15 minutes a day. So I'll go on my phone or iPad and I'll set my timer for 15 minutes and I'll just sit still. And I just sit still. And, I, and, I, and if you try this, you don't, you don't have to, but if you try this, you're gonna be looking at your iPad going, really? 12 minutes left? I've been here for like an hour. I got so much to do. I got places to go, people to see. And I just sit. I don't have a huge agenda. I just sit still and I'm like, Lord, my day's about to begin. I'm about to literally get in the car and go. But before I do, I want to slow down. I want to try some slow before I try some fast. Because you may need to deal with some of the thoughts I'm having. You may need to deal with some of the emotions I'm feeling. You may need to help just prepare me better to love my family, love my neighbor, love anybody I come across. And so I am still trying to learn what it looks like to be still. And we're just inviting you to join us. If you want to try this, if you want to practice this, practice being still regularly and remembering that if Jesus had to adjust his pace to finish his race, who are we to think we can do it without adjusting ours? If Jesus needed to, how much more do I need to? <laughs> if Jesus, who was way busier than me, could make the time, who am I to keep saying I can't make that time? Who am I to say that? So we want to give you an application step. Before you move, before you act, before you maybe are tempted to react, 
before you make an important decision, before you get in your car to leave or go to school or go to work or start your day at home, would you just practice being still? Would you wait on the Lord? Whatever time you need to, you want to practice with, would you wait on the Lord? And while you're waiting on the Lord, would you begin to declare that God is not being still? He's still at work in you and around you and through you. So in closing, I want to read you a poem. In fact, I think I'm going to have you guys join me in the reading of it. And we're going to read this poem every single Sunday for the next few weeks. It's a poem uh, that is written based off of Psalm 23. And when we were putting this series together, we were all went, this is unbelievable. This poem is amazing. We need to read it every single week. So for seven weeks, we're gonna read this over and over again. We'll share it on social media. So if you wanna grab it and go, you can do that. So we're gonna start here. This is a poem of Psalm 23. We're gonna read it together, but here's what we're gonna do. Actually, here's what we're gonna do. You're not gonna read it. Take all that back. Here's what I want you to do. I'm gonna read it and I want it to be like a prayer that I'm praying, that we're praying for all of us. So I just want you to close your eyes and I just want you to be still and I just want you to listen to these words from this poem from Psalm 23. Here we go. The Lord is my pace setter. I shall not rush. He makes me stop and rest for quiet intervals. He provides me with images of stillness which restore my serenity. He leads me in the ways of efficiency through calmness of mind and his guidance is peace. Even though I have great many things to accomplish each day, I will not fret for his presence is here. His timelessness, his all importance will keep me in balance. He prepares refreshment and renewal in the midst of my activity by anointing my mind with his oils of tranquility. My cup of joyous energy overflows. Surely, harmony and effectiveness shall be the fruits of my hours, for I shall walk in the peace of my Lord and dwell in his house forever. Amen. I want to invite our prayer teams, if you could please join me up here. Go ahead and come on up now. Friends, try some still this week. I want to try to inject some stillness in me. This morning, if you need prayer for something, whether it's related to this message or not, would you please come find one of our friends up here so they can pray for you? And remember, your thoughts may not want you to practice stillness. But just remember, it's just your thoughts. It's not always fact. Sometimes it's just your feelings. It's not always fact. Be still and pray for me because I want to be still more and have more confidence that God is still working in me and around me. Would you please stand with me? I'm gonna close in prayer. If you need prayer, please stay. I wanna thank you for being here. Please come back next week. Lord, we give you this morning. We give you this day. I thank you for, um, Jesus, just your example that you set for us. And Lord, I wanna be more like you and less like me. And I know I wanna practice being still because 
those are these beautiful moments where you strengthen me and you help me to soar and you help me to run and not grow faint. Lord, help me to try slow, not just for a week, but I could begin to change how I run my race to the very end of my race so that I may finish and keep the faith. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, friends, for being here. Have a wonderful Sunday.